John chapter 11, verse 24. You know what? Let's get the context and uh, look at what this says. Look at verse 12. Then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Thomas is a joy, isn't he? You realize what we have recorded from Thomas? I'm not going to believe unless I can put my finger in his nail prints and put my fist in his side. And here, now Jesus says, let's go to Bethany. And Bethany was close to Jerusalem. Jesus was wanted in Jerusalem. The disciples were wanted in Jerusalem, you know, by the law. And uh, so now Thomas says, okay, we'll go, but let's, let's go die. But you know what the good news is? At least he was willing to go. Thomas was martyred for the faith. He ended up dying for the faith. But uh, this is just an interesting, you know, who's that guy? And it'll never work. We're doomed. Remember that? We're doomed. That's Thomas. Then look at what it says in verse 17. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. So Lazarus has been in the grave four days. Now Bethany was nigh to Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But now, or but I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now look at that right there. Isn't it interesting? Martha already understood that there was going to be a resurrection at the end of time. Martha had that down. And it's interesting, we're the same way. How many of you believe in resurrection at the last day? But do we believe in the resurrection today? Uh, see, for us, it's easy to believe in something supernatural that's far off, that's down the road. But do we believe in it today? And so here's the question. Do we believe in the lasting results of Christ's resurrection today, right now, for our lives as we walk, as we live, as we serve? Look at, what it, look at the next verse. Verse 24, uh, Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? What is Jesus Christ doing? He's taking the concept of the resurrection of the last days and he's applying it to her present reality. So, as I was saying this morning, there are people that are struggling. There are people that are having troubles. Do you take the supernatural resurrection that's coming at the end and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which hadn't taken place yet at this point, and apply it to your present reality? These aren't just interesting things that are given to us. These are given to us so that we can live today, right now, in joy and in fulfillment. 
Then let's read on. She said, verse 27, she, sa- she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Man, Martha had it, didn't she? She just knew it. Um, wouldn't you hope that you could respond that way when someone asks you? What I love is how clear she is. He's the Christ, the Son of God that's come into the world. That's, I love that biblical language. Verse 28, And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now, Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then, when Mary was come where Jesus was, and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. She said the same thing her sister had. You think they'd been talking about it? If only Jesus were here. If only Jesus were here. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in, his, in the spirit and was troubled. Now, that right there, this, this hadn't, I hadn't planned this, so it just came to me. I wonder what the world thinks about the way that we handle trouble. And not only the world, I wonder what Jesus Christ thinks about our faith when we face the death of a believer. Does our response to our belief in the resurrection of the dead and eternal life, the brevity of life here, does our belief in those things actually impact the way that we respond to death and trouble right now in this world. You know, I'll tell you what, I have recently observed believers losing loved ones and their behavior is very similar to what we're seeing here. Just absolute despondency. And now let's remember how we're supposed to react. Keep your place here. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with sorrowing when someone dies. Amen? First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. We are not supposed to behave as people who don't have hope. Now see, she already believes that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. She believes in the resurrection at the last day. She knows she's going to get to see her brother again. And yet her behavior and the behavior of the Jews that were with her, the behavior of Mary, the behavior of Martha, and the behavior of those around them did not reflect that belief. And go back to John. And look what it did to Jesus. Verse 33. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35. Jesus wept. 
Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Now, just just so you don't get mixed up, when you see the first verse in verse 33, where Jesus is, is troubled in his spirit, and then he weeps, they interpreted it as he was weeping because he loved Lazarus. He was troubled because he loved Lazarus. No. He was troubled because of their unbelief. We know that because look at what it says in verse 38. There, Jesus, therefore, what? Again, groaning in himself. So he was groaning in himself because of their unbelief, their lack of discernment. So here's Martha. Martha has all the right answers, and yet she has all the wrong behavior. And that's exactly the way that... And this is, a, this is one of our resurrection mysteries. How many of you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? How's your spirit? How is it? So here's the first of our resurrection mysteries. Considering the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the fact that he has risen from the grave and has ascended to the right hand of the Father, based on the fact that he is coming back again, and we do believe in the resurrection of the last days. Do you all believe all those things? How's your spirit? How's your spirit? How are you doing in the face of trouble? Do you have family members who are struggling with health? Do you have issues in your own life? How is your spirit? One of the resurrection mysteries that I see in the text is how in the world, knowing the supernatural power of God, can we react so poorly? And hey, I said we. I've got the same issues. Amen? We need to live in the supernatural power of Jesus Christ. Then look at what it says. Uh, verse 39, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone, Martha the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Now that's picturesque language, isn't it? Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the dead, they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him, and let him go. Then came, or then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Now, this is an amazing passage of Scripture. Of course, Jesus Christ raises Lazarus from the dead. And we've all heard before that he said, Lazarus, come forth, because if he had just said, come forth, everybody would have gotten up. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Because we know that when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, there were all kinds of saints that 
rose from the dead themselves. There were people walking around who had been dead when Jesus Christ rose. That's wild, isn't it? That is wild stuff. So what happened to them? I don't know. I don't have any idea. They went to the mall and became zombies. I don't have any idea what happened to them. The Bible never tells us what happened to them. It's one of those things that, you know, after about a million years with Jesus learning some stuff, we might ask him that. But the Bible doesn't tell us, but I know it happened because the Bible says it. Amen? Amen. Do you remember in that debate we watched in our Sunday school class? The uh, William Lane Craig, the, the, the critic, uh, Hitchens, Christopher Hitchens, asked him if he believed that really happened. Oh, well, uh, I don't know if that's apocryphal language. Uh, I'm open to interpretation on that. Yeah, I'm open to interpretation, too. I'm open to believe that these dead bodies got up and walked around when Jesus said they did. In the Bible. Amen? That's what it was. So here's the deal. Resurrection is a very real thing. It happened with Lazarus. Now, did Lazarus die again? I think he probably did. Did you know the Bible doesn't tell us? But I think he probably did. I don't think he ascended when Jesus ascended. Do you? I don't think he's still alive. He's not an immortal. Amen? So he probably died. But here's the deal. Resurrection is a real thing. Jesus Christ genuinely rose from the dead. And as we see from this text, he expects that reality to impact our life today, right now. So now let's look at some of these others. First of all, or secondly, here's another resurrection mystery. Why would anybody want to kill Jesus? Why would anybody want to kill him? It does not make sense to me why someone would want to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Acts chapter 2. And we referenced the first part of this this morning, but the second part is the answer to the question. Uh, Acts 2, and let's look at verse 22. Um, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. So here's the deal. The determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Who killed Jesus? Who killed Jesus? God did. Don't ever mess that up. Don't ever mess that up. But why would anybody want to do that? Why would someone want to be the tool that was used to kill the Lord Jesus Christ? Remember, Jesus had to die for our sins. Someone had to do it. Why would they do it? Look at the rest of the verse. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Why would somebody want to kill Jesus? Because they're wicked. And we live in a wicked and depraved world. Just wicked. Why would anybody want to kill Jesus? Because they're wicked. Third question. Why would he allow it? Why in the world would he ever allow that? Well, look at John chapter 3. And verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why would He allow it? Because He loves us. And this, again, remember I talked about we need to allow that resurrection power to impact us today. Jesus Christ knew how wicked these people were. 
Who was it that killed him? God killed Jesus. Who is the human instrumentality? People with wicked hands. You know that Jesus Christ died for those people with wicked hands? Remember what the centurion standing by the cross said? Surely this was the Son of God. You see, even those who were at the cross, even those who whipped Jesus and beat Him with wicked hands, Jesus died for them, and I think some of them got saved. That's the difference between God and us. So we talked about having the reality of the resurrection apply to us right now. We need to allow the resurrection of the love of Jesus Christ to apply to us right now. First of all, Jesus loves you. Man, sometimes you start to feel like, especially after you've been saved for a little while and you know that you're not where you need to be spiritually, you start thinking, man, Jesus doesn't like me very much. You ever go to God and you're praying and, you, you know, you just... You're just not sure whether or not they like you. He he likes you. Of course he does. He loves you. He still loves you. He loved the people that crucified him. He loves the people that he has saved. He loves us in spite of our sin. That's godly love. You need to allow that love to apply to your life. You need to live in that love right now. And then secondly, you need to apply it to your relationships. How many of you are mad at somebody right now? Didn't see any hands go up. Y'all are liars. Because I know some of you, and some of you are still mad about something that happened 10 years ago. Now, would you be honest with me for a minute? How many of you are pretty good at holding a grudge? Did you raise your hand? <laughs> some of you can be mad at me for 10 years now because I pointed you out. Look, are you going to live in the love of Jesus Christ? Look at John 15. John 15, verse 13. Why would he allow it to happen? John 15, 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Because he loves us. He loves us. And then he calls us friends. You know that you're the friend of God? You know, have have you ever said this? Do you know so-and-so? Yeah, I know him. Are you friends? No, nah, not really. I know who he is. See, there's a difference between knowing who Jesus Christ is and being his friend. And look at what the Bible, look at the context. Look at the context of this verse. Look at what it says in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So here's the deal. How many of you here believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Amen? You believe that He died because He loved you. How's your joy? How is your joy? What is your spirit like? If you believe in... Here's an Easter mystery. A resurrection mystery. Jesus Christ loved you so much that He died on the cross and rose again for you. Now He calls you His friend. And yet you're lonely and discouraged and struggling. That's an Easter mystery. Now, you might be sitting out there saying, I'm not lonely or discouraged. or Praise God. Amen. How many of you are not lonely and you're, you've got joy right now? Would you raise your hand? All right. Some of us don't. That's a, how can we be that way? Look at the next verse. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 
So this famous verse that we all know, verse 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You know what the context of that is? That's what we're supposed to do for each other. That's the context. So here's an Easter mystery. Jesus Christ died because He loves us, and we barely have time for each other. That's a mystery. That's a mystery. Why would He allow it? Because He loves us. But then, number four, why would people deny it? Why would people deny that there is a resurrection? Look at Matthew. Matthew chapter... Let's see. I typed this quickly, and I think I typed it wrong. So let me find this real quick. In the book of Matthew... The Bible talks about the Sadducees. They came to Jesus Christ. And they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. It says the Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. Why didn't they believe in the resurrection of the dead? Then you know what they asked them? Here, here are these guys who don't believe in the resurrection. And here's what they asked Jesus. If a man dies and his wife remarries, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? And that's when Jesus gives the famous answer. It'll be like the angels that neither marry or given in marriage. Like the angels in heaven. Why? They didn't believe in the resurrection. Why were they asking him this? Just to try and trip him up. Just to try and trip him up. Why didn't they believe in the resurrection? It's very simple. They didn't believe in the supernatural. They didn't believe in the supernatural at all. They only believed in what they could see and touch and feel and taste. Does that sound like our world today? There are people who do not believe in Easter. What just When we celebrate it, and I don't even like to use that word Easter. It's a pagan word. But when people celebrate, when people deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ and this holiday that we're celebrating today, when people do that, it's because they don't believe in the supernatural at all. Well, you know what? There's a lot that goes on in the world that you're going to have to explain away if you don't believe in the supernatural. Amen? There is a supernatural. Some people just don't believe in that. Look at this. There's another one. Look at, and I think I have this verse written down right. Look at Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Verse 18. Uh, look at verse 16. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons in the market daily, with them, uh, and in the market daily with them that met with him. Now look at verse 18. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. And some said, what will this babbler say? Other some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. So here Paul is preaching to these philosophers the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
So here's a good question for you. What do philosophers need to hear about? Huh? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. We don't need to tell them. We don't need to debate philosophy with these guys. They need Jesus. That's what Paul did. He didn't have a little play. He didn't do a drama. He didn't bring a musical to them. What did he do? He preached the resurrection to them. There's nothing wrong with plays and dramas and musicals, but they can never replace the preaching of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? This is God's plan. The Bible says that with preaching, he confounds the foolishness of the wise. So now, why didn't these guys believe in the resurrection? Well, because of the philosophy they had been taught. Are we dealing with any kind of philosophy today? Two different philosophies that are presented here. You have the Stoics. The Stoics didn't believe in doing anything to satisfy the flesh. These are the kind of guys that are wearing just basic clothing. These are people that... These are the Amish. These are the monastics. These are the the ascetics, the people that are going to put aside any kind of physical gratification. Do you know why people have to do that? Because they don't believe in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm glad he's given us all good things to freely enjoy. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad he gives you the sunshine and the rain and lets us live in America and drive cars and have nice homes with air conditioning and heat and padded pews in the church? Man, praise God we can enjoy those things. Why couldn't they enjoy it? Because they didn't believe in the resurrection. How about the Epicureans? The Epicureans were people who did everything they could to satisfy their flesh. They would do everything they could. It was all about what they could eat, what they could drink, what they could experience physically. Does that sound like America? Why do they do that? Because they don't believe in the resurrection. Folks, there is an accounting. There is an afterlife. Get in control of yourself and live like a believer. But we wonder why the world's going out of control. You have the Muslims who are trying to kill everybody because they think they're evil. Then you have America who wants to penalize people for doing right. What was the country that we just heard about? Uganda. In Uganda, it's against the law to be a homosexual. In order to keep their aid coming from America, they have to get rid of that law. That's crazy. Why do people do that? Because they don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They don't. Because of the influence of their philosophy. Now, here's the deal. I'm not just rambling on about this. We must understand how we are influenced by the philosophy of this world. Man, when you look at what's going on politically right now, you understand that half the country think the government owes them health care? There's probably people in our church that think the government owns them, owes them health care. Can you imagine that? How have we gotten to the place where it's somebody else's responsibility to take care of your medical bills? Where in the world do these ideas come from? From a worldly philosophy that gets away from Scripture. The Bible tells us if a man would eat, then let him work with his own hands, doing that which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. I work hard so that I have, and then if you need something, I'm happy to give it to you. That's different than the government taking it from me to give to some slug who doesn't deserve anything. Get a stinking job. Have you ever watched the people that stand there with all of their welfare stuff in the grocery store? They're as healthy as anybody in the world. Get a stinking... Well, there aren't any jobs. Go mow grass! Pick up pop cans! 
Where have we gotten in the world where it's like this? This is a philosophy that's influenced even us because we start to say, okay, what can I get from the government? How's the government going to help me? Do you understand how we get influenced by all this stuff? It's crazy. But what about spiritually? Does our joy come from all of the things that we have or does our joy come because of the supernatural reality of the God who's our friend? See, it's easy for us to talk about the welfare cheats because that makes all of us mad. We work hard and they go in and stack up. I remember when I was a kid, man, we were broke. We couldn't afford to pay attention. We didn't have anything. I'm serious. You know those little fruit cup things, those little sponge cake fruit cup things? You know, what I'm t- you, know you do like a fruit cocktail on? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you older folks will remember these. Well, we had a guy that would buy the bread from the used bread store, the day-old bread store. When they couldn't sell it anymore, he'd sell it out of the trunk of his car. When he couldn't sell it out of the trunk of his car anymore because it was so bad, he'd bring it and give it to us. Do you know what I didn't know until I was a teenager? Those fruit cup things aren't crunchy. (laughs) I thought they were awesome. And they were like three months old or something. I'm serious. We didn't have any money. There were times when there was literally, literally, there was no food in the cupboard. So when I say I didn't want to go in the ministry because I didn't want to be poor, and that is what happened to me, it's because we were really poor. We were really poor. And I'd go to the grocery store with my mom, and here's somebody in front of us without a job with a grocery cart full of groceries, and they're pulling out these things. And I said, Mom, why don't we have those? And she said, because we believe in work. What in the world has happened to our society? Where are we? Now, see, it's easy to get mad about those things. But what about getting our joy someplace different from the supernatural friendship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, it's fine to enjoy all these things. He's given them to us to enjoy. But is that why life is good? Or is it because of your relationship with Jesus Christ? Resurrection mysteries. All right? I got a couple more. Um, Why would people lie about the resurrection? You know that there are people that do that. Look at Matthew chapter 28. Remember one Christmas? I opened up these, I had these different boxes and opened up and there was a slip of paper. This entitles you to one game because there was no money for Christmas presents. They were just hoping to get us a game somewhere down the road, you know. And yet today, man, people are crazy with materialism. And the people we minister to through our bus ministry and some of these Awana kids, we can understand that's the way that those kids are living. Um, Matthew chapter 28, look at verse 11. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city, this is after the resurrection of Christ, and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye 
His disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. Because he'd kill him. But we'll take care of you. Don't worry. Go ahead and lie. And look at verse 15. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Why would they? Why did the Pharisees lie? Remember, these are guys that had the entire Old Testament memorized. These guys knew that Jesus was the Christ. You understand that? He just wasn't the Christ they wanted. They didn't believe and they actually lied about the resurrection of Jesus Christ because they'd lose their power base. What would it take for you to deny the Lord Jesus Christ? See, these guys did it. They denied him. And you, know, you understand, these guys are all in hell right now. They know what they did. They're in hell right now. I wonder what it would take for us to deny him. You say, oh, I would never deny him. But we deny him in our lives. The way that we live, what we trust, where we get our joy. We've got to understand, when we look at these people who deny him, uh, like one guy called it practical atheism, living our lives as if God does not exist. And we can't do that. We've got to live with him as the center of our lives. Um, then, look at 2 Timothy 3.13. They, they lie about it because they'd lose their power base. And then look at 2 Timothy 3.13. Why would people deny the resurrection of Christ right now? You know, there are churches in town today that denied the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Actual churches that denied the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They think it's a nice story. They don't believe that Jesus Christ actually rose from the dead. In Sydney, Ohio, there are churches that teach that. 2 Timothy 3.13. Why would they teach that? The Bible says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You know, there are some of these guys that actually believe what they're saying. They really believe these are just moral stories, that it's not real, and there's the ultimate reality is just doing justice in the world. That's where the social gospel comes from. That's, that's this whole philosophy. How many of you have seen something on television about volunteerism? It's the president's initiative, all of the different dramas. All these people are Obama supporters, so they're all trying to get you to volunteer for something. Volunteer? How about those people work? Volunteer. We serve the Lord through our local churches. Amen? We help people that way. All this stuff. People are crazy, but they really believe it. Why? Because evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. There's uh, some reporter said that Glenn Beck hates Jesus Christ. Because Glenn Beck told people, and Glenn Beck's a Mormon, man. That guy needs to get saved. Amen? Because if he believes Mormon theology, he's going to go to hell. But politically, he's got some good things to say. And there's this whole social justice movement that's going on. You can go to the Christian bookstore today and see books on social justice. Social justice is communism. That's what it is. It is communism. That's what Jeremiah Wright believed Barack Obama's pastor, the one who hates the Jews and, and hates America and you know, all that garbage. That's social justice. He said, if you go to a church that is practicing social justice and they believe this, get out of there. And so here's the report. 
Glenn Beck hates Jesus Christ because they believe that's who Jesus Christ was. That Jesus Christ just came to help the poor and to get, get the man out of control. That's crazy. Do you know what that's called? Evil men and seducers deceiving and being deceived. That's the world that we live in. We can't buy into all that garbage. we got to get back. Somehow, there have to be people in our country who believe the truth of the Word of God, believe that if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. They believe that if somebody is genuinely poor, we help them. But I'm just telling you, in America, there's no reason to be poor. Listen, now it's coming, and we're going to have to help each other. But I'm sorry. $10 an hour, $15 an hour, although it's hard to live that way, I don't want to live on that. I have. That's good work. You're providing for your own way. You're, 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 you're profitable in society. You're helping people. You're demonstrating that it's, that, it's, that it's wise to live on what God provides you with. Amen? Man, let's not go looking for handouts. Now, if you want to find a way to earn more and all that, man, I'm all for that. But somehow we've gotten an idea, somehow we've gotten the idea that if you make, now, I think, what's minimum wage now? 750 an hour. Okay, minimum wage 750 an hour. Somehow we have an idea that if a person makes seven fifty an hour, that's insulting to them. It's not insulting to them. Praise God for a seven fifty an hour job if that's all you've got. You know that you can eat and live on a seven fifty an hour job? Now you're not going to live the way that you want to. But listen to what I'm saying. I promise you. That for them, that can, in comparison, your great grandparents would have loved a seven fifty an hour job. In comparison, but we have elevated our lifestyle to such a place, and we misunderstand the nature of work, folks. We have got to get back to understanding biblical principles. And stop allowing these evil men and seducers to influence and to corrupt our thinking. Amen? How many of you are thankful that you've got a job? Praise God. If you need a better job, man, I'll pray with you. I'll help you. I'll do anything I can to help you find that better job. But listen to what I'm saying. We've got to get some people that stand up in this country and say, work is a good thing. Amen? Man, so many things I'm trying to not say right now. Um, let me say this. In 13 years in Sydney, Ohio, I have seen the caliber of the people change. When you look around this community, our people have been lied to. And the caliber of the young people, the way they look, the way they speak, the way they behave, the caliber of their parents, the way they look, the way they speak, the way that they behave, it, it's going down and down and down and down. 
And Laura said to me, that said this, I, I commented on it going down the road the other day. And she said, Jim, it's not here, it's everywhere. It's what's happening in our country. Because people no longer, we, we've, we've destroyed the concept of traditional values, of the way a man looks, of the way a lady looks, looks, of the way that you speak to a lady, or the way that a man speaks and carries himself. You listen to the Christian radio station? These men, all of them need to go to man camp. Yeah, I love Jesus. Maureen, am I right? It's exactly what it is. I'm just telling you, we have been so influenced by this world. Someplace, there's got to be a group of people that understand. Work is right. Men look like men. Women look like women. We just act right. Amen? Pastor, you're rambling. We've been influenced by the world. This is a resurrection mystery. How is it that people who believe in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ are bummed out because of their job? Amen? Look, you say, Pastor, you don't understand. You don't have my job. And you know what? I'm glad I don't. I like what I do. (laughs) Praise God. But look, and I know it's hard. I'm not diminishing when it gets hard. Praise God, you've got a job. Now, they also say this. Remember what I just said. Men are supposed to act like men. Women are supposed to act like women. If on your job, your boss or your company is treating you in a way that is unjust, it's not right. Well, first of all, be thankful you've got a job. And you better start there. If you don't start there, you're going to have all the wrong attitude. Amen? You know, it's like these people at Honda that are trying to bring in a union. That's probably not happening much right now, is it? When I first moved here, that's what they were trying to do. These people are stupid, man. How's GM doing? It's crazy. They'd be thankful they got a good job. But if you are in a job and they're not treating you right, first of all, be thankful for that job. Secondly, tell the truth. If they want you to do something you can't do, you know what? This is a great place to work. And I appreciate this job, and I don't want to lose it. I can't do that. I can't do that. I'll do anything I can to do what you need, but I can't do that. Now, if sacrifices have to be made for a short period of time, make those sacrifices. But I'm just telling you, if this church told me that I couldn't spend time with my family because of all the work that they had to give me, there are lots of churches that need pastors. Amen? Are you all following me on that? If somebody's telling me, uh, th- with my job, I can't be with my family. I'm going to find a different job. Well, I won't find a job that pays like this. Well, I'll still be with my family. Yeah. You, you see, we need men who say, you know what? I love you. Thank you for this job. I want to work here. I can't do this. I can't do this. Um, and trust God. Be respectful to your boss. Tell them the truth. Now, here's the thing that you've got to remember. If you're not a boss and you think his job is easy, that's because you've never been a boss. You don't know the pressure that's on him or her or the person that God's put over you. Have respect for that person. Remember what the Bible says, how you're supposed to respond to your boss. The Bible's very clear on all those things. 
Treat them with respect. Try to understand. If they are in a hard spot and you do have to make a sacrifice for a while, make the sacrifice. Show them what Jesus Christ would do. But ultimately, your responsibility is to your family. So, what do we say? Number one, where do we get our joy? From our job? No, we get our joy from a relationship with a supernatural Savior, with resurrection life, and He's given us that joy. So that's where our joy comes from. Where do we get our identity from? Do we get our identity from our job? That's a problem that men have. We're supposed to be have, find our identity and our worth in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen? So here's the deal. We're supposed to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we're called, Ephesians 4.1. And that is a full-time Christian. So when you step foot into that place of business, you are honoring the Lord Jesus Christ with everything that you do. You can't do that with a bad attitude. You cannot do it with a bad attitude. Well, what if I work for a jerk? Thank God you've got a job. Amen? And then speak the truth. If he treats you terribly, you know what? Probably better if you didn't talk to me that way. I was at Menard yesterday, and this salesman was just not nice. He says, what do you need? I said, I need a salesperson that wants to help me. Well, I want to help you. No, you don't. Well, I, I punched out. I said, go home then. That's what I want to do. If I was off, go home. And we got somebody else to help us. I smiled. We were all happy. I think he was happy by the time he got out of the store. I hope. Speak the truth. Speak the truth. But remember, those businesses do not exist to provide you a job. Again, that's where Barack Obama misunderstands business. Companies do not exist to provide jobs. They exist to make money. You help that boss make money, he'll take care of you. Make yourself indispensable. Work hard. But understand that if you take a stand, you might not have that job. So you need to decide how much is your self-respect worth at that moment. But if there's something that you cannot tolerate, respectfully say to that employer, I really want to work here, but I can't do this. I can't do this. Amen? But understand, there are consequences to every choice. And so just be prepared as you go in. Say, Pastor, how do we get from resurrection mysteries to talking to your boss? Because you need to have the joy of the Lord based on the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, trusting in Him to provide your needs. It's a resurrection mystery. Why would somebody deny it? Why would somebody lie about it? Well, they lie about it because they don't believe, because they're going to lose their power base like the Pharisees. They lie about it because they are evil and they want to destroy our political and religious system. That's what they want to do. That's the world that we live in. So it's time for us to know the truth, to live the truth, to speak the truth, to behave like believers, salt and light in this world, as Jesus Christ said we're supposed to be. Amen? That's what we're supposed to do. Well, I wonder. You know, it's funny. Some of you are thinking, man, I came to church today not to think about my job. He's got me thinking about it. You know what? Remember what we said first. Be thankful that you have one. Be thankful that you have one. And then just be the best employee that you can be. You might say, I am the best employee. That's why they're doing this to me. You know that that happens? And then you have even more leverage to say, you know what, I'll help you, but I'm not going to do this. 
Amen. Anybody here ever had to do that? It's not easy, is it? And Harry, you're still alive. You look, you look good. You know, got, got a good family. God's still taking care of you, right? Jeff, tough at work sometimes, isn't it? But I guarantee you they know that you're a man. I guarantee you. So that's the deal. That's the deal. Dr. Edwards, you just went through some of that. You know, all of us, there are times, Andy, I know you've just gone through some of this stuff. There are times when we must speak the truth in love, do what we have to do. Wade, you just went through it this past year. That's what we have to do. We have to be the men that we need to be in this community relying on the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, living it out. Resurrection mysteries. Here's the last one. Why don't Christians believe, or why don't Christians live like there's a resurrection? You know Jesus Christ is coming back? Amen? He's going to take us out of this. If he doesn't, he's blessed us to this point. Let's be thankful. Let's trust him. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word.